This is TDPS. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. Why would I go to your website for that? Again, you're sitting right here. All right. Well, for people who aren't right here, ChristopherRiceBooks.com is a great place to get information about my new releases. Which you'll give me copies of because I'm sitting right here. Yeah, maybe. But for those who aren't currently sitting in our studio on the Sunset Strip, check out my website, sign up for my mailing list, and check out all the posts on my blog where I talk smack about Eric Shaw Quinn. What smack? Shut up and read this new book I wrote. Fuck that and fuck ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad? Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. And Eric is back! Finally! He's back in action. Our podcast is back. We have a topic for today's episode, but I don't know why we picked one, because I know everybody wants to talk about one thing. Your surgery. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, that's going to be fascinating. And evergreen, because, you know, like everybody yeah. will always be interested in my surgery forever and ever, even though it'll have been years ago. Yeah, I know. And, and the events leading up to your surgery, I actually think, are of value for people to hear. They could actually, we are not medical professionals. Oh, we're really going in there. We're, but, yeah. we're waiting right in. Oh, we're yeah. We're talking about tell the surgery. whole fucking story. Oh, my God. This, Christopher wants to tell the story because Christopher is the hero of oh, the story. Oh, thank you. Is really true. I, Thank you. He was right, goddammit. But he was. He was really right, and I was really, like, resistant. You were resistant, but you were resistant for valid reasons. Well, I was very, I think it was very typical. I mean, I think it was the sort of thing, like, I was having, I had a bad stomach ache, which I thought was maybe gas, maybe constipation, maybe an unpleasant competition, com- competition. <laughs> competition, it sounded like. Competition. It's a competition. Was, between those two things, and I thought that the moment of relief would... Um, would come along at some point, and I had had a horrible day, and I just wanted to lie on my sofa and binge whatever, mm-hmm. um, and just let that horrible day kind of go away. And I, and I was willing, like, if the next day I still felt bad, I was willing to do something about it. And Christopher was not willing to wait until the next day, and that was really the good move. Well, and and here's the thing. I could tell from the symptoms you were describing, there was a very likely candidate for what you had. And the symptoms were sort of odd. And I think people should know this about what you were going through, that you had appendicitis. Right. But it was not, the pain was not where your appendix are. That was not where the source of the pain was. Mm -hmm. It was up near my belly button. Okay. So that put me off of believing it. I had a fever, but it was really light. This is what I want to talk about. That when when I got off the phone with you, because I knew you had great anxiety about going to the hospital during a COVID spike, and oh my god, understandably so. But I went and I googled the symptoms for appendicitis, and I'm not supposed to be googling symptoms because of my own neurosis. But this was on your behalf, and I love you. And to be fair, I had googled it by that point as well, and it was like, well, but it was, but the symptoms were capable of being both things. Yes, but the fever associated with appendicitis is a low-grade fever. It is not a high-rocketing fever. It's between 99 and 100. And normally when people see a fever like that, particularly a medical professional who doesn't know the context of the symptoms, they will say, oh, that's nothing. That's just a little, call me when it's 101. You know, then, it's, then we're talking about a real fever. But that's actually, that lower fever is a sign 
when it's coupled with the kind of abdominal pain that you were going through of appendicitis. Which was the pets. And if you don't deal with appendicitis, it gets very, very serious. If your appendix bursts, you can go septic. And to be fair, to kind of, you know, spoiler alert, (laughs) if there is one in this story, um, my appendix was in terrible shape when they got to it, but in a bizarre sort of way. It was Mm -hmm. like dead. It was actually gangrenous it and was, necrotic. Yeah. Which the is terms they horrifying. used were like, I was like, yeah. oh God, don't think less of me. I just, it sounded awful, but it had also perforated. So the bursting was already happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it was worse than they thought. Yeah. Um, it was, they had to look under a microscope to see that it had perforated. So it wasn't as bad as it might have been, but we were already there. Mm. And so it was even more important that we got to the hospital than we did. Then we realized until like that was like weeks later when I talked to the I did a follow up with one of the doctors. Uh, the scariest part of it who was adorable. Uh, he, he, there were a lot of adorable medical I professionals. Mean, beautiful yeah. and and talented and kind and patient. I am, you know, I guess a reasonable. Yeah. The patient. scariest part of it was the emergency room for both of us because it was just the waiting room. The waiting in the room. Emergency That's room what I meant to say. Was yeah. Terrifying. Once we were in our cubicle, even though we were there for a really long time for other reasons, for complications, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um it was the emergency room was filled with, you know, we it's the it is in this moment and was in that moment we were in the midst of this COVID spike, this mm-hmm. um, self-induced mm-hmm. uh, a pandemic of the unvaccinated, uh, right, unvaccinated pandemic um, that we're going through right now because people, I don't know, are waiting for a different color or the mm-hmm. the new fall vaccine. I have no idea what people are waiting for, but don't wait. Get a vaccine. Don't die. We value you. I know. You and, can, and let if me you're just... on the fence. Just get one. Let me just say this, and I'm going to try to be diplomatic here, that a lot of people that I know who were resistant were not militant anti-vaccine people. They were taking the strategy of, I'm going to wait a year because I'm younger. Right. I'm going to let everybody else beta test it first. And some of those people are dying. And some of those people are also now giving in and getting their shots, which is what we want to see. So enough. The beta test is over. Yeah, the beta test is over. Get your shots. I've had my shot. Because we love you and we want you to be okay. You had your shot. And we're fine. Yeah, we're fine. I had side effects as expected for several hours. (laughs) He did exactly the opposite of what they told him to do. He had his shot and they say, go home and take it easy. (laughs) So Christopher went home and... Got on my brand new rowing machine. And did... um, it was just a little eight-minute row continuously to and, calibrate it, and was in. A, I had a hundred and three fever. Mess. I had a hundred for like fever. yeah, twelve, and good, twelve, said, eighteen hours, something like that. It was a, it was the pets. And when I, I went online to make sure that I didn't have breakthrough COVID, because what convenient timing! Obviously, it couldn't be my own behavior. Uh, they said Clearly. specifically, do not strenuously exercise because that will exacerbate the natural expected inflammation effect of the vaccine. So anyway. And it did. And yeah. t- Christopher beta bad. tested that. It does. So don't do that. It was um, bad. But. But we've had no other. I didn't even have arm pain. Yeah. Th- and that's great. That's great. But in the hospital, you were asking all of the medical professionals if they were vaccinated. Absolutely. Which they thought was, quote, adorable. <laughs> but like, I was like, I'm not going to be, you know, like I've been seeing people with this. It's my body and my choice. Medical professionals. And I'm like, it, that's not 
what's that no. issue here? Like, you're making that choice for me. I'm a sick person. You mm-hmm. go away. Like, I respect your right to have your choice, but I don't respect your right to get up in my face with it. No. Like, run along. And I think what we experienced and what you in particular experienced had always been a frightening component of this pandemic, which is the rest- – actually, we didn't experience this specifically, but when it was really bad during the winter surge – the hospitals were unable to treat basic injuries, basic patients. Things if, if like this had happened to you yes. in January, it would have been a real problem. We would have been looking for a hospital that could take you into my the emergency room. My friend Mike is dead. My friend mm-hmm. Mike was around my age, same heart condition that I have. He had a non-COVID related. He had a medical thing that he had to go to the emergency room for in the midst of COVID pre-vaccines. Right. And Never left the hospital. Mm, heartbreaking. And it was the same hospital in the same waiting room. And I oh, was. Oh, I there, forgot and about there that. there I stood. And it was just oh, yeah. terrifying, which actually turned out to be a good thing for me because when they took us to take my vitals, my heart rate was like, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. High. Yeah, it was really high. It was like elevated. You would have earned points at various workout classes that monitor your heart rate. Let me just put it that way. Absolutely. I would have gotten splat points at um, Mm -hmm. at Orange Theory. Orange Theory, yeah. Absolutely. You've just kind of tipped your hand if anyone wants to go research what the orange zone is. But But it was high. It was really high. It was like, yeah, uh, mouse in the hawk's talons high. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I got right in. I was like, come right in. Sit down. Mm -hmm. Lie down. We do not want you to die in the... Emergency room. So, yeah. And then the rest was really, you know, it was a drag. I don't recommend appendicitis. I certainly don't recommend having abdominal surgery. But if you're at Cedar sinai mm. and you do have an appendectomy, get the grilled cheese. <laughs> <laughs> when... That's my that's my tip. Did they give it to you in recovery or did you have to get to your room I really first? had to wait until I was in my room. And even then I had to wait. There was a... Somebody came to, like, from the hospitality. So many people came to visit. It was really lovely, mm-hmm. really lovely. Um, uh, my good friend Dan, who sort of facilitated my visit there, who works there um, and is amazing, and the other hero in this story who mm-hmm. is Christopher's co-conspirator, um, certainly um, created a wonderful experience mm-hmm. for me while I was in there and saw to it that I was well cared for. Um, so I don't know. I assume that it's probably pretty close to what most people experience, but I also assume that I got an enhanced version. Anyway, so this lady every came room in. at but let me say every room at Cedars is a private room, which I didn't know. I was like, hot damn! Now, when things are, are overcrowded, as they often are during the pandemic, people end up in places that they may not hallways have been. You know, and hallways stuff. and communal recovery suites become you know whatever. But every room there is a private room. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan. So this lady came fan. by from the hospitality, whatever, the welcome wagon. And right. we had a nice, I'm Esther, and mm-hmm. uh, we had a nice chat. And she gave me this menu, the la-di-da menu that I could order um, mm-hmm. from. Like it was, you know, like a menu with prices on it. It was an actual, mm-hmm. but you could have, you could order. And I was like, oh, well, that's great. Because so far, by that point, I had had, you know, broth and jello and... Yeah. This wonderful frozen stuff that I would actually have now if we had some. Wait, what what frozen stuff? What kind? It this it was like um it was like it was sort of reminded me of like an Italian ice. Have you ever had an Italian mm-hmm. ice? Yeah, it was so. like that, but there was also like um grapefruit one and a pineapple mm-hmm. one and a mixed fruit one. They were pretty 
they were pretty great. Um, so you got that and some beer and some Marlboro Lights, and what else did you order when you were in the hospital? <laughs> anyway, some porn on pay per view. So I was going to like I got this menu and I was like, oh great, well I could have a steak dinner or whatever. And uh, so the, the big nurse came in, Jasmine, the mm-hmm. my boss nurse, the, mm-hmm. the head of <laughs> boss nurse, the head of my uh, my crack team of. Uh, Stay in bed and shut up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do what we tell you. Um, no, they were lovely. They could not have been sweeter. Anyway, so I just, I was, she came in and I raised the menu to, and I said, Jasmine. And she said, no. <laughs> <laughs> you were on clear liquids only. I have seen people throw up a whole steak. We are not doing that. No. You were having Broth and jello and whatever it was. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. sure, that's and great. You're, but you're... then when the doctor, the next day when the doctors came, they wanted to see if I could eat. So I ordered the grilled cheese and it was amazing. Oh, that's good. It was like a Cuban press grilled cheese. Oh, oh my. Like it was, the bread was toasted all the way through. Oh my. And then still buttery, but not burnt at all. Oh my, oh my God. God. And the cheese, I don't know if they used the highest quality. It may have been Velveeta. I do not care. But it was like, like there was a bump in the middle of the sandwich mm. from all the cheese, like you know, like a um, a capybara in a in, right. a, in an anaconda. You well, know, you know, like you was... know why that <laughs> you know why that is though. Gordon Ramsay did the uh, kitchen at Cedar Sinai. Really? No. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. No, not like at all. it's really but that it kind of. There's a rumor. Okay, there's a rumor at Cedar Sinai, and this is if you don't know what we're talking about. This is sort of the hospital of the West Side this of Los Angeles. This is our neighborhood hospital. It's our neighborhood. It's located it's also... in West Hollywood, but it is it is every cop show. Take them to Cedars, you know, all that sort of stuff. But the rumor that I heard is that they have celebrity suites, and that if you pay for these suites and the package that can come with it, as you die, they roll in a. <laughs> They roll in a harpist. Who, I'm sorry, I shouldn't be laughing, but it's just so L.A. A harpist comes oh, in and begins lovely. to play as you're sort of slipping I love away. Los Angeles. I love Los that Angeles. That sounds totally believable. In yeah. fact, you probably have multiple musical options. Yeah, like, I apologize for laughing during the death harpist, but, you know, I think, L.A. Gets I think everyone sometimes. listening laughed during the death harpist. That's yeah. very – L.A. is – Really easy to make fun of. It's a large and very slow-moving target. <laughs> anyway, so I'm better. Yeah, I'm. I'm still recovering. It is surprisingly more than you would think, but um, to recover from and weird affect, like mm. strange change in my diet and. Um, I then talk about the strangest change that you're, you're not really putting on any weight, even though you're eating only carbs. I'm like, yeah, I'm eating toast and mm-hmm. cookies and potato chips and noodles mm-hmm. and rice. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of my whole diet. If it's yeah. if it's beige, it it's on my plate. Um, and things like if I have like little bits, I'm trying to include little bits of protein, but it is, it nails me. And I'm usually all protein all the time. I'm usually mm-hmm. the guy who has the steak with a little spinach on the side or a salad. And Prior to this, you were eating almost entirely a ketogenic diet. You were eating yeah. no carbs, no sugar. Yeah. And so I was a little trepidatious about it, but I just can't eat the other stuff yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have done, which we will spare you party people, we have done vast theorizing about all of oh the interconnected, how the, the weight gain problem was being caused by I the... I think by yeah. this necrotic um, appendix. I think there's something to that. I think it's a great story, even if it's not true. But We'll and, save that. 
the doctor, whenever I tell him one of my theories, says, that's interesting. That's, that's really interesting. And then he goes on asking questions about stuff that he actually cares about. Anyway, okay, so we do have a topic for today. We're not just going to talk about Eric's appendectomy the whole time. And it's been a topic that's been essential during my recovery from my appendectomy, but also the last 18 months. We asked you what you are binging on television. You told us on our Facebook page, and we are going to get to that next. <laughs> I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. Okay, so before we begin this part of the conversation, I need to say, Eric watches way more television than I do. There. It's out there. It's on the table. I put it out there. You just do. You watch way more TV than I do. I watch a lot of TV, but you watch a lot of TV and you are loyal and consistent to shows even after they have become terrible. (laughs) You hang in there and you see things through, but you also do something that you call speed watching. Tell our listeners what that is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, so it's going to be the ambush binge-watching episode with Christopher and Eric. Um, Speed-watching is a technique that I have perfected over time for um, teasing out the information that I need to get through a show that has sunk and burned to the water lines um, and is no longer worth watching, but I still want to know who did the murder, who slept with who, or whatever, the... Um, the final, I won't name any names, but it is an ability to, like, the one thing that I do because there is a, there is a bad habit that a lot of television producers have gotten into in the age of um, television creators, I guess I should mm-hmm. say. I don't want to blame all producers because most of them aren't any help at all. <laughs> <laughs> most of them are just not doing anything. <laughs> um, but... Uh, But uh, television creators have fallen into a bad habit in the age of streaming. Ten episodes all go up at the one same time, or eight, or six, or whatever. And they approach it as, I've heard them say it, as a ten-hour movie, let's Mm. say. And it's not. Mm -hmm. It is ten one-hour episodes. And you need to have a story that is complete within each episode. If the only things that happens are in episode one and episode 10, the beginning of the who somebody gets murdered and in 10 we find out who it is and nothing happens in between that, you are wasting my time. It is the origin of my desire to put up billboards all over the country that say, Waiting is not dramatic tension. Mm-hmm. See how often while you're watching television in this streaming age, you find that you're watching an entire episode waiting for the thing that you know is going to happen at the end of the episode while everybody, 
you know, has a General Foods International coffee moment Mm -hmm. with each other and blah, 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 and nothing really happens. And then the thing happens. It is – it's a structural problem. So there's – that's one kind of thing. I will watch something. Can I I, I clarify something you're saying because I I, I completely agree with you. You are not saying that in a a murder mystery show needs to solve a murder every episode. No. You're saying that each individual episode needs to have its own story arc. Distinct story arc. And so you feel satisfied that you have learned something new about the characters of the story by the end of each episode. Something has happened. That's the college professor's son and me. Right. We're not just – we're not just – no. Wait, we're not just killing time. And no. There are so many episodes. And there's a subset of that where they do the, the episodes where the only thing that happens in the episode is in the first five and the last five minutes. And so then yeah. you only have to watch the first and the last five minutes. So that begins speed watching. Right. Right. You can just watch the first and the last five minutes. And then you know what happens. And if you need any details, you go back through and pick them up. And I have gotten to a place where I can... I'm frequently able to tell you what the next line is in anything that I'm watching Mm -hmm. just because I do what I do and that's, you know, who Mm -hmm. I am. Um, So I'm pretty good at telling what's going on, Mm -hmm. even when it's at, you know, four times regular speed or whatever. And I can stop pretty much on a dime and pick up the bits of information that I need without having to watch all of the bullshit part mm-hmm. that I don't want to see mm-hmm. so that I still get what's happened in the episode without actually having to watch the episode. And that is technically what I mean when I say speed watching, mm-hmm. but because of streaming, there's the other two kinds, the, the one, two punch, you skip watch, to the end, watch the first episode yeah. and the last episode. Now, we worked with a wonderful showrunner mm-hmm. recently called, named D. Called. Called D. 2.0. Named D. Johnson, yeah. um, who we love dearly. And we have the D. Johnson rule. She says, and it's really a good rule. Um, mm-hmm. She says you should watch the pilot and then the second episode. Mm-hmm. Because the pilot doesn't give you enough. Like you get the premise and then you see how the premise is executed. I don't think you have to watch the whole second episode. Because no. Because sometimes you can tell it's not going to work out. But if I hadn't done that, the D. Johnson rule, right. I would have missed Watchmen. Yes. Which was maybe the best television series I've ever seen right. in my whole life. And the first episode I was angry. It was so bad and unclear mm-hmm. and stupid and weird. Mm-hmm. And the second episode, I never stopped. I couldn't. I was. It was compulsive TV. There is another reason for the D. Johnson rule, which I think is very valid, which is that pilot episodes are often a witch's cauldron of nine hundred different executives. Everybody at the network trying to cram everything into this episode to make it work. More often than not, it turns into a Rorschach's test of blurred whatever. As everybody tries to make it not too much one thing and a little bit of something else that's trendy and all that sort of stuff. They're trying to put everything into the episode so right. you watch the series, and that's exactly. Exactly the opposite of what they should be doing. Right. What you need to do is come up with enough mystery to make me want to find out what happens next. If you tell me everything in the in the pilot, you've kind of ruined it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, that's enough for 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 us. We want to talk about you, party people, and what you said to us on our Facebook page. Brad Shreve, also a great podcaster, said, "I've gone back to rewatching Saint Elsewhere episodes." It's as amazing wow. as I remember. Where is Saint Elsewhere? Did he say where he's? We'll watching find them? out. Brad, tell us where Saint Elsewhere is. I believe it's on Hulu. I believe that, but I don't maybe know that on, to be true. Maybe it's on Peacock. Maybe. Ah, ah, ah. Isn't that what a peacock sounds <laughs> like? Ah, ah, ah. 
that's actually accompanying their logo currently, that screaming peacock sound. Yes. It's about as appealing as anything else they're doing. This is a thing that's happening right now, though. Did anyone watch as, the Olympics? As more streaming services launch, these shows are, are spreading out and being moved and, and going from Netflix to other platforms and all that sort of stuff. Yes, the Olympics was on Peacock. I didn't I didn't watch it. Did you watch it? I kind of stopped. Yeah, just sort just, of fell I apart. wasn't in the mood. Well, they got so invested in the narrative, so there was no suspense. And then when the narrative was, Simone Biles is going to win everything, and she fell apart, mm-hmm. the, they didn't really have a story anymore. They just yeah. kind of collapsed. I, yeah. I just thought it was a mess. Like, yeah. The things I want, the only things I really ever want to see are swimming, diving, and uh, gymnastics. Yes. And it's very hard to figure that stuff out. I know. I, that's what I'm, I, I always find that completely Where is it? But I think Brad brings up something great, which is the nostalgia binge, right? You know? Yeah, St. Elsewhere. My God, I can't even imagine anymore. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you see where certain things came from. You see those sort of beginnings on television, which is always fascinating. I'm always intrigued by which book series... Um, were cannibalized so many times before by TV shows that by the time they're actually adapted, everybody acts like their old hat. That's a good description of your current binge, which is Bosch on Amazon. You've been watching the <laughs> Michael Connolly series. Well, actually, Bosch is your binge. Yeah. I'm, I'm sort of catching up with it so that we could talk about it on the phone. And I, I will say, and this is one of those things that I hate for people to say to me. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh yes, I know what you, you're going to say. You kind of have to wait till you get to season four for, it to, <laughs> for the show to really start working. It's like season four. I have, I have plans. A life. Yes, I have plans. But I told you when I was originally binging it because I actually kind of thought you would never watch it. But I actually started it before you did, and then dropped out. Right. Everybody starts Bosch and then drops out. It's my mother did. I did. There was something about the pilot that's a little old school. It's really old school in the beginning. It's an old school cop show. Yeah, very. But in and the first season, I think was actually better than the second and and third. Okay. Then what happens between three and four is there is a showrunner switch. And the quality of the show just, just goes, goes up. I mean, I, and I don't want to. We don't, I don't even know anybody's names involved, so I'm not naming any names, and I don't want to disparage. I watched the other episodes, like I, the other seasons. It isn't like I was so disgusted that I quit. But yeah, it really does the quality, the style of the storytelling. Let's say that because quality seems like a subjective yeah, yeah, judgment. Yeah, style... I don't want to be that. The, the, the the style of it changes to something yeah. that is much more intriguing to me. It becomes way more third person mm-hmm. in the fourth season. It stops being one white guy against the system, right. which is what it is in the first three seasons. And then it starts being about networks of cops working together it's in this day and age. a whole bunch of people and a lot of stories, and some of them don't even overlap. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a huge storyline in season four that doesn't even include Bosch. Which I'm fine if the main character is essentially a police station. Like yeah. a place, a, a business, and that's a, kind an of engine of activity. It becomes Hollywood yeah. police station um, in, the thir- in the fourth season. So that one's really sort of been fun. And I guess it has a nostalgic quality to it. But have you gone but back the, and watched the, any really old stuff? Of- but the, here's, I actually think I took a peek at, if it, St. Elsewhere is about a hospital, right? Right. Hill Street Blues, I went back and watched an episode of wow. it. And that was the treatment of women in Hill Street Blues was like, oh, wow, this was a different time. Um, but the the Bosch point that I thought was interesting that I just want to make before we move on is that there was a story on NYPD Blue, which I think I also went back and tried 
albeit that's a far more recent show than St. Elsewhere or Hill Street Blues. That sort was the of. mid-90s, little, I think, or yeah, early 90s. A little more recent, yeah. You, to get hired on that show, you had to have read the novelist Ed McBain, who was a, a old-school cop mystery novelist. But I don't know if Ed McBain's books were ever made into a series, but they were like, if you hadn't read Ed McBain, you didn't know what the show was about. That was true of Michael Connolly's Harry Bosch books as well. This is why so many of those ideas ended up on TV before Bosch was ever filmed. So anyway, I just wanted to finish that point out. But um, I find that sometimes it is bracing to go back on those nostalgia watches. There are even episodes of The Golden Girls where the treatment of race and sexuality is like... Well, Cringe, is, as the kids say. I suppose, but I think it's also about, I, I hope that as people look back at um, uh, on these nostalgia watches, that it also softens people's response to people. I, mm-hmm. it, like One of the things that I loved about um, Mad Men, the series mm-hmm. Mad Men, was that it was the first time I had actually seen women's treatment depicted accurately mm-hmm. for the time period. Right. Like most contemporary pictures of it don't really get it. It's I, the, the, I don't want to pick on them, but one of the shows that one of the, the, the things that I always choose is the help. Mm. Oh yeah. We can pick on the help, but the, <laughs> but yeah, aside from yeah. the obvious, the, the obvious stuff, the thing right. that, that is really noteworthy about the help is that the character that, um, Bryce Dallas Howard mm-hmm. is that? Yeah. The place. villainess, if the you will. The villainess in that piece, in that time period, would have been anathema. She would have been somebody that nobody spoke to or had anything to do with. If a woman behaved the way that she behaved in that time period, and I was alive in that time period, mm-hmm. so I, I speak from a place, it would not have gone well for her. Mm-hmm. To see those people, that kind of female power mm-hmm. depicted... Out of context in a time period like that always shows me that you don't know anything about the time period you're writing in. If you look at the way women are treated in Mad Men, like that's the way women were treated in my childhood, like sort of somewhat more um, liberated children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that as we look back at those nostalgia watches, it's possible maybe to understand yeah. Ourselves a little better. The forces I, that were really at work back it then. It doesn't make it okay, but it was so commonplace mm-hmm. that we didn't notice. I always tell the story of sitting with somebody who I actually loved and had respect for, talking to me about how we could make sure in the adaptation of Say Uncle. Your that, novel, yeah. That nobody, my novel, that nobody thought that there was a gay relationship happening in the household where the child was being raised mm-hmm. because somehow that would be a terrible thing. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, you couldn't possibly say that in this day and age. No. But in the moment, even I wasn't as put off by it in the moment because that was the age we were living in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's the thing that gets depicted in those. So, yes, the Golden Girls, oh, my God, the jokes you just couldn't tell anymore. Oh, but, my God. But but it's sort of like a it's like it is also like memory lane it's like oh my god this is really who we were back then well let's go to another trend line through some of these suggestions and also a trend line for a lot of shows that eric watches hot boys andre lavasseur is rewatching the supernatural series one of your favorites oh eric oh my Shelton. god i watched every single episode and i would not have lasted 
If it, those two have not been cast, <laughs> the first couple of seasons are just, it's another one. You got to wait till season four. Um, Yeah, or whenever. I don't even know. But yeah. yeah, the first couple of seasons were not their best. And mm-hmm. if those two people had not been the stars of that show, I would have left. Mm-hmm. Mark Springer, since I recently accidentally signed up for Amazon Prime, sounds like there's a story there, I just finished binging all five seasons of The Expanse. Great sci-fi show, he says. I would be interested to hear more about that. I lasted a couple of seasons with that and then kind of got to a place of like, okay, I'm I, not sure. I am a huge Shorey Agdashlu fan, and she is in that and amazing. She is amazing. And it was about time she got the chance to play something besides a terrorist in a movie because there was terrible typecasting going on with her career. And it's, it's something that a lot of she's Middle like Eastern actors She's president of the face. UN or something, but yeah. she's also kind of a villain. So, yeah, mm, a little but bit. But she's, you know, a but powerful not, one. Not a yeah. real... Not a real terrorist. But yeah, that was a show that started out with more promise than than it sustained for me. Okay. A great example of waiting is not dramatic tension. But it, I didn't even know it had gone on. I thought yeah. it finished after the second season. Maybe Mark saw something you didn't. I need to check back. I wonder where that's playing. I'm sure that must be on Peacock. <laughs> I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at Facebook.com slash The Dinner Party Show. No, I meant in the car. Uh, Picking up our previous conversation about The Expanse, it's actually on Amazon. Amazon bought the show from Sci-Fi. Oh, so I think they why they have the additional seasons. I think they made additional seasons. Who was the lead? Was that Joel? Kenneman? No, that was Altered Carbon, I think you're thinking about. Yeah. This was Shori Agdashlu. On... Was it Aaron Eckert or Thomas Jane? Thomas, Thomas Jane. Jane. That's what got me That's watching. why you were watching. That's why I watched it. That's it. Okay, remember Cindy Conforti, the author of the Cindy Conforti Rule Absolutely. for True Crime TV Club? She just finished season six of Grace and Frankie. What great writers and the four leads are a class act all the way. Brilliant. This and that's is... another one where I really need, owe them another. It was, I loved it, but yeah. it was. It was actually a heavy topic. It was painful, yeah. It was not funny. Like, the first few episodes were like, this is really hard to watch because... Say why it was hard to watch, though. Because it's about the two husbands are actually gay and lovers, and so they leave their wives to be together because they finally can. And so one of the children even says it, like, I want to be mad at you, but I'm kind of glad for you that you finally have this moment in your life, but it still means destroying our families, which is really kind of a heavy topic. Yeah. And only a cast as amazing as that. And it is an amazing cast. Indeed. Um, could could possibly keep that going for six seasons. So I owe them another, I owe them a revisit. Good, good call, Cindy. Uh, Roxanne Bradford also binged The Expanse. 
Uh, she said more recently she watched The Last Kingdom and Vikings. So she went back in time. I stayed with Vikings. I kept hoping that that Viking was going to sleep with that monk. And I stayed with it until the monk died. And when the monk died, it was like, Spoiler well, alert. that's it. I've had it with this. I'm leaving. There, it's a long time. There is like a six seasons completely new kind of spinoff series, a different generation happening on son. Netflix. I may try that. I love Viking with shit. With his son. And the son is Hello? well. Worth. Viking yeah. son. Yes. <laughs> Travis Fimmel is fine, but that son. And what was the, what's the monk's name? Badgley? Badly? I can't remember. He went on to play Louis the Fourteenth on that weird... Okay. Versailles? Um, Versailles, yes. Yeah, okay. Alexandra Iona Nicora, Nicoara, excuse me, she has a seasonal rewatch, she does. She watches True Blood during the summer. So that's like a regular thing for her, it sounds like. But this year, she also uh, binged Van Helsing. I saw an ad for that. I've never seen Van Helsing. It, I haven't either, but it looked really interesting. It's like the it's a woman, and she's like the 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 ancestor of the Van Helsing from mm-hmm. the Bram Stoker. It's like a later generation. Okay. It looked. I was like, well, that's an interesting premise. I haven't tried it, but yeah. I'd be interested in knowing more about that, Alexandra. Um, two people suggested podcasts, even though that wasn't technically the question. How dare they? I oh, know. wait, we're a podcast. Good we're, job. Thank you for bringing it back to the actual relevant topic. Andre Lavassier, Lavasseur, excuse me, is binge listening to a podcast called Haunted Places. And then um, Sia Marie is a podcast fan. So she's binging To Live and Die in L.A. season two. I am desperate for each new episode. I binge season one. It is a true crime journalism podcast about a real case. Um, The host got a little scenery chewy for me. It was one of those investigative podcasts where the host becomes kind of a major character. The story was a fascinating um, examination of trying to be famous in Los Angeles, as so many crime stories are. So. I I have, I will insert here because it seems like a good place. I have recently discovered a show called Truth Be Told with Octavia Spencer Mm -hmm. about a true crime podcaster. It's on Apple Plus. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Yeah. There is some barrier to admission, but it'll probably turn up elsewhere. But it is really a well done show and it uses the true crime podcast it's it is a show it's not a podcast and it's not true crime mm-hmm. but it uses that sort of as a basis for um the the way in which the story is told she's a podcaster she is investigating and then as the episodes pass through my my old friend Catherine Lanasa oh, wonderful plays her Catherine. plays her Brandon mm-hmm. um uh, Brandon is the guy who makes Brandon everything. is our sound genius as we call him the engineer who keeps us running keeps and keeps us connected track. to the world of heterosexuals as well which is an important thing I'm not sure that that's really <laughs> happening but maybe um, he, we, he is heterosexual and we do know him but yes, totally. I'm not sure how connected we really are we try but you know you do your best but yeah it's a fun one and I thought it might be a nice um, addition to the discussion yes. if you like that there's also a series on on, I think it's Hallmark Murders and Mysteries or Romances and Mystery or that channel mm-hmm. um, uh, called Chronicle with Allison Sweeney, which is about – it's a series of movies about a podcaster who solves crimes. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah. Okay. This was my favorite response because of the nature of the response. Susan Hall wrote, the outpost and then a shrug emoji. 
I'm not sure if she feels guilty about recommending the outpost or somewhat sheepish about what is the outpost. I don't know. I know nothing. Susan, come on the Facebook page. Tell us more about the outpost or we the might shrug watch it, or the shrug. <laughs> Whatever you want to talk about. And we're waiting until everything, or the rest of Nine Perfect Strangers. Yeah, Susan um, recommends Nine Perfect Strangers. I, with, yes. How could we not with Nicole and Melissa? Oh my God! But yeah, but but I like I. Christopher, are you able to do the like? Sometimes I can do the one at a time, but usually I like. It to depends wait for on them the all. show. Like I loved Mayor. Yes. Um, of East Town, isn't mm-hmm. that it? Mayor of East Town. She's not Mayor. It's M A R E. It's it's like short, like Mayor Winningham. Or, yeah, or something yeah. like that. Uh, yeah, but you, yeah, I waited until that got posted, and the one that Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant did, I also the undoing. Waited well, until, you have no option to wait unless it's HBO, right? They do one at a time. They do one at a time. Apple does one at a time. I'll tell you the one that I'm really waiting on because I don't want to burn through all the episodes. I watch them once a week. Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. Ted That's Lasso is I love just, Ted Lasso. Oh my God! What a wonderful discovery in uh, COVID. Like, I almost am thankful to COVID for that. I know. Because I'm not, I've never watched a sports show about it, and it's not really a sports show. Uh, Gina Radin, um, going back, did recommend Mare of Town as her binge oh, watch. great choice. Jessica Morningstar recommended a show I've not heard of before called Bridget and Emon. E-A-M-O-N. I know don't know nothing it. Nothing about this show. It may be two different shows, so forgive me if I mangled it. <laughs> Nicole Fowler, like you, is watching Professor T. Tell us about Professor T. Oh, my God. That is really – it's like, what if Monk was a much better show? (laughs) 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 That's really not fair. Tony Shalhoub is a genius, and that show was actually really fun. But it is that sort of thing. This is a man with really profound, I assume, OCD issues, but Mm -hmm. also just issues Right. um, in this incredibly rarefied – um, collegiate setting mm-hmm. who works with the police to help solve crimes in and around Cambridge is the way that it's being depicted. But it's like his office is in some palace or some fabulous hotel or something. It's just gorgeous. Um, Francis de la Tour, oh, I who I just her. adore, plays his mom. The guy was actually the lead on a series that I also binged called mm-hmm. Murder in Paradise, I think it's called, or mm-hmm. Death in Paradise. We did a I true know, crime we, series. It's confusing. I think... And I, and I can never separate the two, but it's one of those two things. Um, but he played... The first, which is a sort of fish out of water series about a stuffy British detective who comes to uh, a British protectorate island. That the- that is Death in Paradise. It's been on for like seven million seasons, and I've watched all of They've them. They've had four different detectives, but it's, he was yeah. the first one. He was for the first couple of seasons. It's and, and it's very fish out of water. It's fun, light, but also a murder mystery and case of the week. So it's a nice binge. Let me tell watching. you the thing that amused me the most about all of these answers. We do, as you just mentioned, something on the podcast called Christopher and Eric's True Crime TV Club. Yes. Only one person recommended a true crime TV show. <laughs> you know what that means, right? If they're enjoying True Crime TV Club, it's because they think true crime specials, or a lot of the ones we talk about, are kind of dumb, and they like to hear us make fun of them. That's my uh, hot take Well, you on know, that's what I have said right from the start. Sometimes the trashier, the better. Right. <laughs> we've been a while but since we've done a really good trashy one, but um, yeah, those can be every bit as entertaining. And Remember, that was D. Roberts. To- Let me just say who it was. It was D. Roberts recommending Murder in the Heartland, which I believe is a true crime show. I think we may have it in the queue. I don't know. I don't know what that one is. Small town murders in the middle of the country. I mean, what else could it be? 
<laughs> it's about a young boy who does a horseback journey to small towns to teach people music. No, I don't think so. Murder well, in the Heartland. I don't know. Well, it could be the Heartland of France or <laughs> Austria I guess or we're... Australia or like I, I don't That's know where true. the Heartland has to be. This could be a great Wednesday question. Do other countries have Heartlands or is that a uniquely American term that we use here? Spoiler alert. Well, Spoiler now, alert. It's already, we've already used it. Yeah, I'm sure people are up late um, wondering what the Wednesday Vampire question Vampire Diaries and the Big Bang Theory. You know, I have never really watched the Big Bang Theory. That's uh, Tommy Ann. Wait, 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 wait. What do you mean I've never really watched the Big like, Bang Theory? I watched the big the finale of it, and I've tried a couple of episodes. It's like I watched, the first time I watched it, I was like, I got to the end and I went, so they're not all gay? <laughs> <laughs> And they're not. I mean, I realize there are a large number of non-gay people out there in the world. <laughs> and that's great. And I don't really have a problem with that. I, I, We're going to allow them to coexist with us for the time with being. I'm, yeah. I'm all about being inclusive. And, you know, <laughs> it's fine. It's a strange lifestyle. But we need to, you know, mm. understand and be inclusive for everybody. Right. Um, just as long as they don't throw it in our right. face. Right. I just don't want to shove down my throat yeah, all I don't the time. Wanna, yeah, I don't wanna, yeah. No, I don't care. No. Um, do whatever. Be as straight as you want to be. Um, just leave me the fuck alone about it. Um, yeah, no. So it was like I was – I have been a more loyal thought watcher of young Sheldon than mm. I have been of Big Bang. It just – it was a little – it was like um, college hat hookup, mm -hmm. which I don't mean to be dismissive about. But you can see how that might have more limited appeal for – a huge mo like myself. <laughs> I had a friend who attended, I think it was an extension class at UCLA Film School or US, UCLA. Um, and she said the professor gave them a lecture because they were all sort of privileged L.A. residents, uh, you know, augmenting their careers or whatever with this class in production. And he said, uh -huh. you must always be aware if you're going to work in entertainment that the number one show is never what you think it is as a supposedly sophisticated Los Angeles resident who's so connected to the industry. You'll think it's true detective, or you'll think it's this, or you'll think it's this trendy thing you're hearing about, but really it's, and he said, well, actually at the time it was Two and a Half Men. He said that was the number one show in the country. Right. But you wouldn't know that driving down Sunset Boulevard surrounded by all the billboards. You would think the biggest billboard goes to the biggest hit nationwide. Right. But those billboards are about us. And They're about, about, you know. The Emmy competition. And Emmy competition. Yeah. Catering to entertainment journalists who live here. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that's, a, that's really a fair point. And, and so, you know, like I, Big Bang Theory was the number one show in the country for a really long yeah. time. And you can see why, because it's going to appeal to the largest majority. Mm hmm. Of Americans, and apparently the theme of the show is um, nerds get hot girlfriends. Oh, okay. Well, that's I think fun. That's, I think Good. that's what the show it's was about. It's about time. I think that's what the show was was all about. And uh, and it was about I, celebrating people for being really smart, mm -hmm. Like, which I think we do a lot of villainizing people for being smart in this right, country. Right, absolutely. So I'm all about that. Mm -hmm. um, there's a new show on Disney. It's going to be a little young for me. I think it's called The... Oh, the amazing Hamilton or Franklin Society. It's this, it's a kid's show on Disney, mm -hmm. but it's the same thing. It's about exceptional young people, mm -hmm. which is, I think I want to see more celebration of that. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of celebration of assholes yeah. um, in the media and mm -hmm. the entertainment culture right now. And I'm kind of, I've, I'm all, I'm full up. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've had quite enough. Anyway, yeah. so meanwhile, back to the recommendations. Oh yeah, who are we not getting? 
Tommy Ann got us right off track there. Um, um, I feel Mom, like Mom, Cutthroat Kitchen, Hacks. Oh, Hacks. Oh, Hacks. Oh my God. Everyone, that's from, that's from Kathy Puckett. Thank you. Everyone Kathy. must watch Hacks immediately. Immediately, and they must make another season immediately. I need more Hacks. Okay, we have to issue an apology here at TDPS. Apparently, I I drew up these notes and I. Included Lynette Simonson's name, but I cut off her recommendation, which means I didn't copy it from Facebook. I have Facebook. been binge-watching Chicago Fire all nine seasons of it. Oh, what happened? Fire and Heart. Where are you seeing it? All I see is Lynette's it's name. at the top of the next page. Oh, 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 oh. Apology retracted, Lynette. We love you. Well, she didn't see this. Like, she doesn't know the <laughs> she difference. She doesn't see my shitty show notes. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't know. And nobody right. sees how they make the sausage here at TDPS. Right? That's, yeah, but okay. Chicago Fire, there's the whole series, there's Chicago, and that has that hot Taylor, Kenny, what's his last name? The okay. one who dated um, Lady Gaga. Yes, he's hot. Okay, oh, but yes. wait, and wait. And I think it has a gay fire couple, I doesn't don't, it? No. Or is that's the other one? That's and the That's Shonda. what I need to talk about. This is, this is what I need to talk I need to get this off my chest. This was my aborted binge, and it, <gasps> and it may come back. But you texted me one night and said, do you know that 911 Lone Star has a hot, hot gay relationship in the middle of the story? And I was like, cancel everything. I go to watch it. It's amazing. The actors are both adorable. One, both of the actors have since come out of the closet. They're, one is bisexual. Even the other better. is gay. Um, they're gorgeous and it's hot and it's not treated as this special fringe thing um but the center of every show it's is about paramedics uh-huh. is some really gruesome accident it's called 911 i know and i can't do it and every time i try to watch it again and i want to see those boys in love and having big feelings and i'm like i'm going to have to watch somebody who accidentally swallowed a snake at a barbecue or something and it's like and it takes up like 20 minutes of the show. The rescue and the process and the that's fake really blood. That's really the point of the show. The I other stuff know, is... and that's why we need to do a show that's just... About gay firemen. Gay relationships, really. I, I mean, fire, it's fine if they're firemen. Well, Two of them could be a fireman. I think you're Eight talking firemen, about... The, it's, the, it's um, you know, it's... Uh, representation thirst. Mm -hmm. You know, like, there are no shows with gay people on them, or hardly any. We're not very well depicted in the media, and we're usually, as you say, scenery at best, very background or marginalized, and so we want those things, but yeah, you have to take the show that you get. It's not the other way around. The shows are never about the gay characters. You discovered a great piece of gay representation recently, and this sets us up for kind of a new topic, but also sets us up for the next episode, because I think like that, you went down the home renovation show wormhole, oh, and God. you finally found two uh, wonderful examples of gay representation in that space, as they say. Yes. Why don't you tell us about the Merrick Shaw Quinn? Well, there's two different. There are two different shows. They're really more than two different shows. There's, um, but the shows that really that I really loved were Nate and Jeremiah, mm-hmm. um, Nate Burkus and Jeremiah. Oh, I can't know remember Jeremiah, Jeremiah Burkus. Jeremiah Bur- Mrs. Burkus. <laughs> Mrs. Burkus. <laughs> um, and they're, uh, they uh, do a couple of shows that are actually the same show, which was heartbreaking. But it started. I discovered them first on. What was the name of that? Rock the Block? Yes, Rock the Block. Right. It was a competition, and they were on it very openly as a gay couple. There's also a gay man, David, didn't come prepared for this conversation, so I don't have his last name. But he won the first Design Star competition, and he has a number of shows on on um, 
on the Discovery well, yeah, like Network on HG. Color Force or something right. like that. And they're nice, but they don't have the same kind of big reveal thing that mm-hmm. that I love in a home renovation show. Mm-hmm. Nate and Jeremiah come into people's houses who've started the renovation and it's gone really wrong. Wrong. And they fix and make it into just And it's these, emotional and they're oh, crying. And it's, and it's about, yeah, it is about being emotionally involved with the people who they're helping. So there's that. They were amazing on Rock the Block. They were robbed on Rock the Block. Oh. They totally should have won. You're so angry I was right really, now. Really, I was very unhappy with the outcome. But they have a, they have a bit of a chip Spoiler on their shoulder. alert. They have a bit of a chip on their shoulder because this is sort of their brand, which is can Nate, Nate Burkus became famous as Oprah Winfrey's designer. Yeah, he's not your bargain basement designer. So they're like the whole tension on that show is can they design for everyday people or is it all going to be huge potted expensive plants and tile work that's right. everyday, hard to clean? Everyday people who want a ten thousand dollar marble <laughs> Venetian. Sing um, but the in other their guest room, the other one, um, Bargain Block, you found Bargain adorable. Block is just the most adorable little couple in the world. It's these two guys, um, the gay couple mm-hmm. who are choosing whole areas of Detroit and they're buying houses for like a thousand dollars, um, and then turning them into livable spaces. And they live in the houses while they're renovating. So it's like they're camping as they're doing it, and they are just adorable. They're precious. The, the guy, the, oh, I can't remember their names. Again, not prepared mm-hmm. for this conversation. But the um, the one, there's one who's really the artistic one, and there's one that's the contractor one. Right. And the contractor one just adores the designer one who is just a complete flibberty gibbet who does these crazy things that you're thinking, uh-oh, mm-hmm. this is not going to... And it always turns out... I, it's just adorable. They are maybe my favorite new um, design show. And it's the reveal still. Yes. Because, and with these reveals, you're going from no floor, missing ceiling, mm-hmm. bought the house for $1,000, no plumbing or electricity, oh my God. to an actual livable house that's ready to go on the market. And they're renovating a whole neighborhood. So they're driving up the price of cost. And, and it's a really, it's like they're doing a good, you know, it's like mm-hmm. a Peace Corps project to um, a really challenged area of our own country. Absolutely. And this leads beautifully into our what will be the focus of our next episode. We're, it's like we planned it. We're, we are going to talk about the dark side of home renovation. And that is on the next installment of Christopher and Eric's True Crime TV Club. When we return, we will be serving up an episode of 48 Hours entitled Home Renovation Homicide. That's season 33, episode 47. The datelines and the 48 hours in 2020s, their season numbers make it sound like we're asking you to read a novel. We're not. This is a standalone episode. And, of course, we have our standard disclaimer. Uh, Christopher and Eric's True Crime TV Club serves up the episode for you in such detail you do not need to watch it, but we tell you what it is ahead of time in case you want to study ahead. And um, yeah, so I think that's all for In case you want to talk smack with us. In case you want to be huge bitches (laughs) (laughs) with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Well, until then, I'm, wait for it, Christopher Rice. Big surprise, gasp, and I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you've been listening to TDPS Presents Christopher and Eric. Thanks. This is TDPS.